0: government report finds that healthcare providers in the United States are increasing their adoption of health information technology but their willingness to do so is tied to the incentives available what's more the government is implementing a new plan to improve interoperability a suggestion that results from past efforts have fallen short of expectations we spoke to joe smith Chief Medical Officer and Chief Science Officer for West Health, about the current state of health information technology, the barriers to interoperability, and what it will take to deliver on the promise of technology to improve healthcare. Joe, thanks for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: The Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology this month issued its annual update to Congress on the adoption of health information technology. The report is mandated by the Health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health or the HITECH Act. I want to get your thoughts on the report and how healthcare systems are doing in terms of adoption of health information technology. I, I thought it would for the benefit of listeners, Be good. though, if we started with what the billions of dollars that are being invested in health information technology is supposed to be doing, how is it going to transform healthcare in an ideal world? Where is it going to be taking us from what and to
1: what? I think the vision of how health information technology can transform healthcare delivery is something that most people can quickly identify with, understand, and and sign up for. I think that the 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 notion that information, you know, viewed as the lifeblood of healthcare and healthcare delivery, ought to flow from the first time it's written down to every other time that it's needed, and that we ought to smoothly integrate up our understanding over time so that the You know, a person sick in Poughkeepsie today can benefit from an understanding of how a similarly ill patient was treated last week in Philadelphia. I think we want to have, you know, a smart and learning healthcare delivery system and that information technology offers the promise of moving information, you know, at at the at the speed of light or at the speed of of electronics, to make sure that everyone in the ecosystem is maximally informed and that we you know we we can we can do so without continuously asking patients the same questions in different settings or asking them to remember things from one setting to another or trying to reach the engaged provider at a prior ep- for a prior episode now when their patient presents with in a different place with a different issue and so i think the vision of a smart informed ever learning healthcare system is really what we've all signed up for
0: well the numbers in the report suggest there's growing adoption of electronic health records, but that's not without some concern. Healthcare providers that are not eligible for incentive payments have been far less aggressive about adopting these systems. How much of a concern should that be?
1: Well I, I do think that's telling. I mean, you know, the 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 opportunity for these systems to have great value I think is is inherent in the, the technology technological capability, but the particular instantiations, the particular solutions are such that uh, for many, you needed an incentive to be in place before people would buy it. And so that's not typically what happens with, you know, market innovation, you know, that to, to, for Apple to be a success, no one had to incentivize people to buy iPhones. They they fit a natural need, and people understood it, and they used user-inspired design to create solutions to problems people experienced, and that these were effective solutions. I think when you see a system where adoption is preferential, where there's an incentive, and it, it falters or it lags in areas where there isn't an incentive for its adoption, I think it's telling that we haven't yet solved the problem as experienced by the users.
0: A word that's near and dear to your heart, and and one that's a big issue in arriving to this promised land of health information technology, is interoperability, the ability for different electronic health record systems to share data, and for the devices and machinery within the healthcare system to capture and share data. The report is less encouraging on that front. What is the state of interoperability?
1: Well, I think you know. I, I think when you when you dive deeply behind that eight syllable word, you appreciate that it it may mean different things to different people. And I think that that is in part some of the the problem. Um, I think if defined narrowly as you can in fact send some information in one system to another, even if you have to use a you know the equivalent of a of a fax, an electronic fax, to do so. I think if that's if that's your rather minimalistic definition, I think we've we've certainly enabled that. But I don't think that's what um, it, you know, what we need, or what the the have imagined for interoperability. It's the the seamless flow of information, uh, or or as the engineers would describe it as semantic interoperability. To make a complex term even more difficult to understand. But it is the notion that um, information acquired in one place will be as useful in other places as it is there and that people will understand its meaning and its relevance and its context and that it will be available for query and will be available for, for use and can be acted upon and then can be shared to all of the other agents in the process of healthcare delivery. And that, I think, both from the vantage point of uh, health information technology, but also, and from our perspective, perhaps even more importantly, for the medical devices that are engaged in people's health, wellness, and uh, and sickness recovery, I think we don't yet have meaningful, semantic, seamless interoperability uh, in the overwhelming majority of settings. And as a result, we ask providers, busy clinicians, to fill the gap and move information from one device to another, oftentimes transcribing it on their scrubs as they move around. And I think that's an that's an inefficient and error-prone system for which, you know, we, we all struggle, uh, with which we all struggle.
0: Well, I mean, look, let's go a little deeper there. You know, maybe you can do this through an example, but, you know, explain why that matters and, and how it changes the way healthcare operates or improves quality or reduces cost?
1: Well, sure. So, so you know, a busy clinician can write an order for uh, a, a medicine for a patient, and then that information then gets to the pharmacy, and then a nurse has to typically hang that uh, that medicine in an IV pump. And, you know, at each point, there's an opportunity for error. And so, you know, I was just visiting a a, a, a Harvard teaching hospital where they were quick to point out that you know, the, the notion that you can hang hang two medicines side by side on t- two infusion pumps on the same pole, and yet because the pump doesn't recognize the medicine, because the orders didn't flow seamlessly from the order entry system to the administering infusion pump, the nurse has to... Recognize the medicine, make sure that she programs the pump, he or she programs the pump accordingly, and that the opportunity for error there is so great that they lose patients. They lose patients because of the, the simple error of transcribing the, the infusion rate or programming the device incorrectly, when all of that can be readily managed if in fact the EMRs and the pumps work in an interoperable system and the pumps can readily recognize the medicines as they're, as they're hung. And those are just some of the examples. There are There are a great many where information transcribed from one device carried to another um, affords an opportunity for for error and harm.
0: I I know we've spoken before about this, and there's, uh, uh, I think, a a good one about a, a device that's supplying fluid to a patient at the same time that another device might be warning that the patient has too much fluid
1: right or you know a common setting in in um in controlling uh blood pressure with medicines, you would like to imagine that the infusion rate is in some sense tailored to the effect you're trying to achieve. So if it's trying to raise your blood pressure, if your blood pressure gets high enough, the, the infusion would then be backed off or, or kind of like the way insulin works. If, if your glucose begins to trail below normal, the insulin would would automatically shut itself off. But we've not yet built those. Completely interoperable closed loop control systems because we're not letting data from one device be shared and acted upon another. We're just at the very beginnings of doing that in diabetes, but we haven't begun to do it in, in hospital settings where you're treating hypertension or you're treating pain. And, and as a result, patients are left to have their safety in the hands of busy clinicians who watch for one and then titrate the other instead of closing the loop with technology, which, which for you know, kind of repetitive and mundane tasks is often preferable.
0: There are several barriers to interoperability. These range from issues of standards to the self-interest of participants who may not want to make it easy to share data with competitors. What do you see as the primary obstacles?
1: And so um, earlier uh, earlier this year, we held uh, a meeting in uh, our nation's capital on interoperability, and asked the audience just this question: what What did they think were the the limitations that kept us from moving forward? And the most common response was the proprietary business models of vendor participants who you know who who would who, who have an interest in assuring that you know their 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 product line um, lands and expands in hospitals, and that that um, one one continues to use one specific proprietary system. And so I don't. I don't think that's in in any way uh, uh, evil or inappropriate. In in uh, from the perspective of an individual vendor, I mean, they have greater control over the quality of of their individual systems, and so they can better manage how how data flows in their systems. But the net result of that is a system which has. Um, kind of a fragmented information flow, an opportunity for more error than we would like. And it, it burdens busy clinicians with the notion of being the conductor to finish the symphony, if you will, of the the separately excellent and safe and effective devices, which when put in aggregate and without the ability to speak a common language, result in a much more complex and, and then relatively then less safe environment.
0: Are there other primary obstacles you see?
1: So, some point to the notion that the, the, the uh, open standards by which interoperability can, uh, can and should take place are in some measure incomplete. And, uh, and, and so, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not here to say that every I has been dotted and every T has been crossed, but I would say that um, you know the FDA has done its bit in in recognizing some 27 or 28 different open standards for uh, information flow, and organizations such as uh, HL7 have been around long enough to make sure that. When when we want to solve a problem, we certainly can. And so I do not think the issues are dominantly technological. I think the issues have been uh, really uh, business models and inertia. And I think at the moment, all hospitals are challenged. I mean, they, for the most part, they're, they're relatively low-margin businesses and don't have enormous reserves to invest in new systems that would then uh, seek to solve this. So I think we have to make sure going forward that as we do this, we solve it with open standards, so that um, we can smoothly migrate from where we are to where we need to be.
0: So, so how do you overcome those obstacles?
1: Um, and so, I, I think, I think what we need to do is humanize the issue a little bit. I think interoperability as a as a kind of challenging eight syllable word doesn't necessarily rise to the top of the list of the CEOs in every large hospital system. But I do think um, a patient safety imperative is on the top of their list and doing the best job they can with the resources they have. And so we've tried to make uh an issue of the excess costs associated with having non interoperable systems, and the you know the manpower costs in terms of moving moving the data with people instead of moving it with with wires or wireless technology. But I think we also need to make it clear that there's a there's a true safety imperative here that that people are in harm's way by virtue of kind of the complex amalgam of systems that get created when when there isn't an opportunity for them all to share information. And so as we make that story. More more and more clear. And as there are more and more examples of real safety hazard as a result of the, the absence of interoperability, I think it does rise to the level of, of action in hospital systems. And so I, 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 am, I am pretty positive about progress going forward.
0: Well, the, the report that we started this conversation about talks about a new 10-year nationwide roadmap to interoperability. What went wrong with the old roadmap? Did did the government underestimate the challenge at hand?
1: So you know, I, I, I would I would say that uh, that Karen Desalvo is in her role as ONC has really uh, put a sense of urgency into this notion of of interoperability, and I think that uh, if you ask if you ask the good Dr. Desalvo, even even she would say that ten years seems extremely long. I mean, so so th- this is this is an issue where you know, we're, we're watching a system that is less than it ought to be every day, but it's, it's an issue of how quickly can one move? I mean, so, so if you look at the, the budgeting system and the, the incentives that were available in the earlier stages of meaningful use, I think we've, we realize realized we've, we've spent most, or if not all of that money. And so how, how can government encourage uh, a transition to, um, to, to a full, fully interoperable health information technology uh, uh, infrastructure and provide no incentives, I think that, that, that politically that 's not as attractive or even as viable as it ought to be, and so I think there you 're looking at an organization functioning within its its limits um, the, the, the notion of did government underestimate the challenge i think I think one has to give some credit to government for encouraging the adoption of a you know the, a technological platform that does require change in every hospital, uh, and so I think I think that is hard work, but it is the beginning. And now, you know, I think I think the, the 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 best light you could cast on it is to say now we're experiencing a problem that's derived from prior successes that we did get a ample enough adoption that we now can experience the problem of a lack of interoperability. You know, I, it's always it's always easy in hindsight to say gee we should have you know the government should have thought about. Out, this this pressing need for interoperability much sooner i think it i think it was discussed but for a lot of these systems they needed to walk before they could run and so you know we're, we're working with a, a complex environment and so um you know i i i think it can be done better i think it has to be done better and i think there's effort to make sure it is being done better
0: well what does the new roadmap call for and does this represent a solution or at least a step in the right direction
1: I think it's a step in the right direction. I think calling it out as something we have to get done and, and, Putting some date certain over uh, on which we're really going to, you know, expect, and and that will be the basis for certification is that systems have to in fact share. But I think I think for for, for my taste, it, it, it still doesn't have all the sense of urgency required when you realize that that you know patients are in harm's way and that clinicians are being asked to do things which technology really should be doing then i I think you realize that we need to solve this problem perhaps um, faster than you know the 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 politics or the the pragmatic among us would would uh tolerate. I think the issue is is more important than that, and I think it deserves you know a more expedited timeline but you know large government yeah, i think I think uh, smart people have often said, be careful what you ask for in government and that that anyone big enough to give you everything." That you need is also big enough to take away everything that you have, and so I think I think we do have to be um, we have to be careful as we talk about um, new government imperatives. So, if
0: uh, on one hand you could say, "Why isn't there some kind of a government mandate?" But on the other hand, what about the healthcare providers themselves? Don't they have enough power among themselves as purchasers of this technology to insist that? The suppliers get together and agree on standards and and address the problem.
1: Thanks for that. That's just that is just the the kind of the the nuanced insight that that uh, we took as we put together a thing called the Center for Medical Interoperability and and asking. Um, uh, this organization to be run by hospital systems CEOs to look to the vendor community and say, "Hey, look, you know, we're we're not going to buy any more of this stuff unless it's seamlessly interoperable, unless it works um, in a, in a way that allows us to add incrementally to our hospital systems and expect open standard interoperability to continue." We're, you know, we're, we're not going to participate in, you know, the, the prior schema where, you know, we would have enormous switching costs if we move from one vendor to another. Instead, we're going to demand, um, functional semantic interoperability from all of those who would sell things to us. And so I do think you can use market power up until this point. I think, you know, the, 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 that power has not been sufficiently consolidated to create an obvious need in the vendor community to solve this issue. And so they've been, they've been solving it a different way, but I think now with the, the vendor community being, um, uh, being given a message from the buyer that you know what you need to solve this problem too, not just that it has to work, but it has to play well with others. I think I think we'll we'll look forward to a different set of solutions.
0: Well, I mean, do, do you get the sense that that the industry is has the discipline and and the will to to do that?
1: I think there's uh, when you say the industry, if you're talking about the healthcare delivery systems, payers. yeah, I, I think you know historically this has been you know a cottage industry and a, a series you know a, a, a broad array of different forms of cottage industries. But I think you're watching you know integration in communities. You're you're watching consolidation in in many communities. You're looking at large hospital systems at this point, and also. They're experiencing the financial pressures that come from you know a an enterprise that consumes nearly eighteen percent of our GDP and provides a product which you know I think the Commonwealth fund just recognized that it's ranked number eleven out of eleven in terms of quality outcomes and so they're experiencing this great pressure to do more and I think you get a, you know a bit of a bunker mentality that you know we're all in this war together now how are we going to get out of it now not how am I going to best compare to you but instead. But how are we going to solve it? So I, I do think that you know this is a this this pressure will 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 uh, will help to drive a form of consolidated interest that will help solve this problem of interoperability.
0: At, at the same time, as CMS rules change and accountable care organizations become more the norm, and hospitals take responsibility for at least cost responsibility for things that go wrong, is is there more pressure on them to? To see that interoperability is there as a way to prevent errors, as a way to cut costs.
1: Um, uh, absolutely. You know, I was, I was just at a, at a, a summit of uh, healthcare system leaders in Chicago, and this notion of higher quality care, lower adverse event care, results in um, you know more favorable economics for providers. I think is a is a good and, and healthy uh, alignment. Um, I, you know, I, I I do see that um, we're we're looking at a bit of a change in their uh, overall interest in doing this. Particularly another example is where you're looking at, you know, vertical integration in some markets where hospitals are, um, you know, in the same, uh, financial, uh, structure with post-acute care settings. And so that, that as, as integrated healthcare delivery networks complete the span from, uh, doing, uh, patient risk assessment in a population-based uh, scenario to acute care settings, to post-acute care settings, it's important to have information flow from the beginning, prior to hospitalization, all the way through to your recovery in a uh, a post-ac- post-acute care setting. You want one information system that manages across those. And so there is this, this notion of, I'm no longer an island, I'm actually an archipelago of islands, and all I have to share that information across all of them.
0: So you're you're down in San Diego. You've got beautiful weather, uh, an ocean view, uh, a natural sunny disposition, as it were. What's the case for optimism for people who may live in a
1: different kind of setting? <laughs> So I, I'll share with you that in the last ten days, I've been uh, I've been in San Francisco and Oakland and Chicago and Boston and Baltimore and Nashville and the weather is different in all of those places, but the challenge is the same. I think we're we're all fighting this issue of unsustainable health care costs and uh, a an unsustainable logistical challenge of trying to deal with more and more aging seniors with a healthcare system that um, is not adding doctors as fast as it's adding patients. And so we all need to solve this um, this issue of a um, a smart and learning healthcare system that works to, to be uh giving people um, what they need, when they need it. And the only way we're gonna do this is to have information flow seamlessly from where it's acquired to where it's best used. And, and people get that, that, you know, we have the technology to do this. We experience it in our daily lives with Amazon and Google, and it's, it's really time to experience it in healthcare.
0: Joe Smith, Chief Medical Officer and Chief Science Officer for West Health. Joe, thanks as always. Thanks a bunch, Danny. Have a great day.